Oh, listen, dear one, I am thrilled to announce I have a brand new private coaching container opening up called Full Immersion Coaching. This is you and me working together privately as I become your mentor and soul guide for an entire year, providing you with the full support you need to grow a massively successful and prosperous heart-led business. To get all the details, DM me on Facebook or Instagram or send an email to allison at allisonscammell.com and say, tell me more about Full Immersion Coaching. I look forward to hearing from you. Well, hello there. This is Allison Scammell. And today we have a fun results producing episode for you. I was lucky enough to chat with Jennifer Rosenfeld, the co-founder of iCadenza, which is a career consultancy for classical musicians, about how creative and spiritual entrepreneurs can awaken their business brain. Jennifer shares the number one thing she sees that prevents people from selling themselves and reaching larger audiences, what exactly it means to awaken your business brain, and how you can awaken your business brain without that feeling of selling out or losing your soul. We end on a challenge, which I consider one of the secret sauces (laughs) to growing a successful business. So be sure to stick around until the end. Welcome to She Grows, a podcast for soul-guided women entrepreneurs ready to be seen and get fully booked using their unique genius, intuitive voice, and spirit guides. Each week, we'll explore how to create offerings based on what you do best, so you can have a wait list of ideal clients and bring in continuous income. I'm your host, Allison Scammell. Let's get growing. Hey there, She Grows Nation. That is the name of this sisterhood of soul-guided entrepreneurs. And today we're talking to Jennifer Rosenfeld about how creative and spiritual entrepreneurs can awaken their business brain. Jennifer Rosenfeld is the CEO of iCadenza and president and principal manager of Cadenza Artists. She works with musicians of all genres on identifying and pursuing their professional goals and overcoming the obstacles that come up along the way. A leading entrepreneur, educator, and speaker, Jennifer is the co-author of Awakening Your Business Brain, an iCadenza guide to launching your music career. I learned so much from this chat with Jennifer about how we can stay true to what we feel called to do and grow our business at the same time. So please enjoy. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Allison. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to unpack this topic. I love the title of your book and the idea behind it. I think it's very, very brilliant. So let's get into it. I'd be curious to know, because I know you work with a lot of creative types trying to sell themselves. Mm -hmm. What is the number one thing you see standing in the way of, say, a creative entrepreneur that prevents them from really selling themselves and reaching larger audiences? Yeah, absolutely. So 
We talk about this in the book in a big way, which is this idea, and I guess I should say the book, it's called um, Awakening Your Business Brain, and I I co-wrote it with my co-founder at iCadenza, a company that we started back in 2009. And the reason we, we wrote that book is because in our business, we were coaching musicians, classical musicians, and we're really trying to help them develop their professional skills in order to have more of the careers and lives that they wanted, you know, more performances, more recognition, all the things that any creative person who works so hard on their craft is hoping to receive in their professional growth. So what I would say the biggest barrier to people sort of doing that is this perception of there being a huge divide between creativity, art, the soul-driven work that I feel called to do, and this icky other side that we call business or sales or networking, or, you know, we have all these kind of words that for a lot of us in the arts or who, you know, who have sort of a deeper calling, we sort of feel very put off by those concepts. And it can feel like we are sort of going against our integrity and our values by having to participate in those behaviors. So that's something that I've seen a lot. And in in the arts, for instance, there's this sort of idea of like the starving artist concept, which can be unpacked and looked at from a, from a lot of different angles, but sort of core to it is this idea of, of purity, of that I'm not doing this for the money. I'm doing this for a deeper purpose. And when we have that belief, it can feel like any, like the monetary side or the business side or the commercial side contaminates the purity of what we stand for. So the big mental shift that we talk about in the book and that I try to live by every day and in my work with clients is this idea that what if they are all one beautiful creative thing and not these two separate spheres where one is good and we like it and one is bad and unfortunately we have to deal with it. So for instance, what that looks like for me and for my clients is how do we lead with service? How do we realize that what we do in the world through our businesses is an expression of our creativity and it's an expression of how we can help others? And how can using those values be the mechanism through which we build our business, get clients, grow our income, rather than feeling like we need to participate in behaviors that we find really distasteful. So that's sort of how I think about that. Mm, that is so good. I love it so much. And for me, it's fascinating because you work primarily with musicians and I work w- primarily with spiritual entrepreneurs who are, you know, co- coaches, artists, writers, etc. And I experience the same thing, <laughs> like mm-hmm. exact same thing as you're talking about. And one of the things I like to take my clients through is their sales funnel. And when I use those two words, I can see their whole bodies tensing up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I need to come up with a new way to describe a sales funnel. And I actually don't even say marketing anymore. I normally just say connecting because that's, mm-hmm. I see marketing as connecting. Mm-hmm. And um, that way I, I feel like I get a little bit less resistance. So I love, love, love everything you're saying. So tell us more about what it means to awaken our business brain. So part of why we went with that title is because what I believe, what you know, both of us when writing the book really believe is that that you know, quote unquote, business side, it exists within you. 
it's not a thing you don't have that you have to find someone else who has it, which is a common belief among musicians. You know, a lot of the musicians that we work with, high level classical musicians, might be coming from a worldview of, I should just get to focus on my art and be the artist, and I should find an agent or a manager or a PR person or someone else who is as good at that thing as I am at my art. And part of it is comes from this idea that can be passed down in our field, which is that if you, for you to be a truly great artist, you can't be good at other things. That's sort of an idea that a lot of musicians can take on intentionally or not even realizing it and assume that they can't develop those other skills. It's just not within their ability. And I fundamentally disagree with that. I think there tends to be a misconception around what business skills are, at least the business skills that are relevant for the work that, you know, my clients are doing or that your clients are doing. It's not necessarily about, you know, doing these elaborate spreadsheets and financial projections and the sort of corporate idea of what we see on TV as business. I really believe that the fundamental business principles that a solopreneur or a coach or, you know, a small business owner needs, these skills are within us as humans. Um, Like what you said about connecting, you know, that is one of the most important business skills. And if you're a person who has relationships in your life, you know how to do it. So that's sort of why we use the idea of awakening your business brain and not creating it or finding someone else who has it or um, building it from scratch, because I really believe it is all there inside of you. And it's just about perceiving your skills in a new way so that you can utilize them to achieve your goals. Yes, yes, yes. So good. So good. And I love this. I'm really struck by what you said that you hear from your clients, a limiting belief that they can't be good at other things. That is like really, that's profound. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you know, I, I, have never identified that specifically with my clientele, but now that you say it, I think that it has been there, you know, without me maybe identif- calling it by name, you know, that is really good. Yeah, it's, it's interesting how those beliefs can get lodged in there and they can come up in such subtle ways. And, you know, for me, I, I have my own version of that. You know, there are certain things where I really don't think I'm ever going to be that good at statistics or physics or, you know, all kinds of things. And I mean, I think for myself at this point, I realize that it's really more about desire than inherent ability for for most things. But yeah, certainly in our field in music, there is a lot of messaging that gets passed down around what musicians can do and should not do. Or if they can do other things, does that mean they are less good of a musician or less serious. So there's been a lot of stigma around being good at other things in our field. Yes, 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 yes. I can totally see that. So Jennifer, walk us through it. How can we awaken our business brain without that feeling of selling out or losing our soul? Well, I think the big things that come to mind for me are number one is really just having clarity on what you want and what fulfilling your purpose at the biggest level really looks like for you. Because, you know, I like to think about working backwards, right? So if my goal is X, and you know, this is a lot of the work that I've done with musicians where I'm asking them, what is, what is your goal? What is your dream? And for many people, they haven't really thought about that even. 
And then it's a matter of, okay, if we can get clarity on that, what is the path to reaching it? Using my knowledge of my industry, I'm able to share some things around, okay, here are some steps that I would take. Here's a pathway that I see as realistic. Here's an area where you might think this is realistic, but it's not. And I will explain why. You know, there's sort of that clarification around what is the path to your goals. And then we need to sort of face reality around what is required in order to get there. And maybe that means, for instance, if I am working with an artist who is looking to, whether it's getting more performance opportunities or growing their teaching business or releasing an album and having a lot of people buy it, that requires engaging with the outside world in a way that is not always what the artist type desires. So so I think part of it is finding the clarity around what is it that you want, what is required in your actions and behavior in order to get there, and are you willing to walk that path and find a way to walk it in a way that feels in alignment for you and upholding your values and not violating them. So typically, it's clarity, it's around relationships and strengthening them, it's about advocating for your value and seeing what you do as not something that you are forcing upon other people, but it's a genuine offer of service that you have to provide. And then, you know, these days a lot of my work with musicians is around the financial dynamic and learning how to deal with money, learning how learning how to sort of stand for yourself and your rates as a way to prioritize your well-being. And again, just walking the walk and following the steps that allow you to um, uphold all of those things. So I don't know if that makes sense, but that's sort of how I think about it is how do we just see the things we knew we need to do as a natural result of being clear on what we want? Yes, yes, yes. That's all. That was all crystal clear. I love what you said. I've never heard it said this way before. I'm going to, I might have to steal this from you, Jennifer. <laughs> I will give you credit though. Advocating for your value. Mm-hmm. That is so profound because what is it that we creative types do who feel that we are in service? We're creating value in people's lives. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're paying for. That's why they want to buy whatever it is we're offering because they want to receive that value. So um, changing that mindset from, well, I'm going to sell you something to I'm sitting here because I believe in this and I'm advocating for my value that mm-hmm. I'm going to offer you. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's it's a really funny thing because... I I truly believe that any of us as artists, as creatives, we do inherently value what we do. Of course we do. But when it comes to speaking for that work, standing behind it, um, attaching numbers to it, we can really walk back from that initial stance of, yes, I value my work. And I've seen this happen so, so many times in so many different iterations with musicians that I work with, where, yes, they're fully behind a project, But the idea of pitching it to someone or the idea of fundraising for it or the idea of asking, like reaching out to a venue and asking them to present it, it suddenly shifts from look at this value to, oh my gosh, I'm making a request of someone that is taking advantage of them, that's putting them in an awkward situation, you know, like, I don't know if it's worth it. So we can really sort of walk back from the value that we have to offer. And, you know, for instance, what I've seen for myself in my business is, you know, I have all those same things come up around 
promotion, around social media, sending emails. You know, I'm an introverted person who would rather sort of be in my little cave and not deal with the outside world sometimes. But I'm very clear on the fact that there are very few people who do the work that I do. And I have a really exceptional track record of client success. And I just feel like it's wrong for me to not make that available to other people who want to benefit from this or who want to learn the stuff that I teach and go down this path. So I've seen it shift in my own mind to, you know, it's, it's maybe being a little selfish or, you know, I'm not doing right by the abilities that I know I have if I stay hidden about them, if I stay silent about it. It doesn't mean that I'm trying to push them on people. And I certainly don't believe that every single musician should be my client. Not at all. But I feel like it's, you know, I'm doing people and myself a disservice by not at least putting it out there that this exists. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's brilliant what you just walked us through. A, few people do what you do. B, you have an exceptional track record. Three, it's wrong. (laughs) I mean, it's really wrong for you Mm -hmm. not to let people know you're available because there are people out there who really need you. And that, those are like three profound mindset practices that if, if others listening to this would adopt something similar, I could imagine that they would see results coming into their business like within days, weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I think because the flip side of that is what, what I see so often with clients is they think, well, the market is saturated, so why would anyone want to hire me? They don't take stock of the track record that they have, or maybe they discount it. And then they say, well, I don't want to be spammy or salesy, so I'm not going to offer my goods and services. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. We've, you know, and I, <laughs> look, I've been there. And every time I send an email or press post on Facebook, all of those thoughts flash through my head, you know, but it's just sort of like, you know, once we become aware that these are thought patterns and not necessarily true facts and that we can survive whatever the negative consequence might be, if there even is one. Um, For me, it's just like, oh yeah, those voices are there. I'm just going to press post or I'm going to press send. I'm just going to do it and get over it because I think that's a part of it. And, you know, another thing that's been really key for me is building up my confidence through setting high goals for myself and for my clients. So there's a lot of things that throughout my career that I've worked on with clients where, you know, I didn't know for sure at the get-go that I could be successful in doing the job because I hadn't done it before or I hadn't done that exact thing before. But for whatever reason, you know, I've been willing to put myself in situations where I'm like, I will do whatever it takes to figure it out. You know, I I don't know exactly how this is going to play out or what I'm going to do, but I will stop at nothing until I've done absolutely everything I can to get this job done and to support this client in this way. And I've done that enough times successfully that it just sort of takes a lot of the fear out of being in the new territory, which I still constantly dive into. And with every client, it feels like a, a rush of that feeling all over again. But but I think especially for women and for anyone who is not 
sort of an egomaniac, but really values humility and honesty and not, and also doesn't really buy into the, like the fake it till you make it form of, which can feel kind of um, disingenuous thing. We often stop ourselves short of trying things, of taking opportunities because of a lack of confidence. And that's very different from a lack of ability. So that's something that I think about a lot for myself, for my clients, is how do I support others in feeling, if not confident, at least willing to step into what I know their competence is so that they can build their confidence. Yeah, that is so good. And I love how you describe it as, it, you know, like you still struggle with some of these thoughts, you know, mm-hmm. and I do too. So as I talk about my clients, please know yeah. that I, I, you know, I'm still, you know, I have my days where I'm just like, oh, I can't offer that again. That's mm-hmm. gonna, people are getting sick of seeing that sales offer. But I love, so it's, it's what you're saying and what I, I sense you're saying is that it is a daily practice. It is like a daily commitment to uh, a mindset that really helps you and a business brain, if you will, that really supports you and your business. Mm-hmm. And it's not for most of us, it's not that you wake up one day and you're just, all your thoughts are fully supporting your business all the time. It sounds like it's just a daily recommitment that gets easier over time. Mm-hmm. Does that sound about oh, 100%. right? hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. So let's say a client comes to you and is very talented and very committed to their craft, to their to their music, but they feel like they they say, Jennifer, I I just I get blocked when it comes to offering up my music to my audience. I just feel like it's totally salesy and it shouldn't be for me. And I probably should hire someone to do this for me, but I can't afford it. What what how how would you where would you start with this person? Well, what I found is, you know, I really believe in any person's potential to grow and change in whatever way they desire if they are willing to take responsibility and take action. You know, who am I to say whether someone is capable of this or that? And, you know, it's funny because I come from the world of the arts where a lot of people do take on that role of deciding, oh, you have talent, you don't, you have potential for a career, you should, you know go to law school or whatever. I really don't see any of that as my place to judge or determine what someone is capable of. That said, the the number one thing that signals to me whether someone can move in the direction that they want is whether, like I said, they're willing to take responsibility and whether they're willing to take action. So um, the things that I'm on the lookout for are just even in a conversation, is someone noticing their own behavior, you know, the willing the refusal to promote their music for instance or to talk about it are they open to seeing how that is standing in the way of their goal of what they want you know part of what i would share in that conversation is some facts about our, how our industry works which is for instance that you know you can hire a pr person but just because you hire someone to promote your album does not mean that it's going to have the result that you want there's a lot of people who spend money on PR and don't get any kind of result because just because someone is out there, you know, peddling the message doesn't mean that the message is connecting or resonating or whatever it is. So I, I really try to seek out clients who understand that it's part of their job to be the voice of their art. And if we're unable to get on the same page about that, then it's probably not going to be a good fit. 
But if someone is willing to see, okay, now I see I need to do this, but it's really scary and I'm willing to work through it, then, then we can totally do stuff with that. You know, and a lot of it is around how do we connect to that deeper motivation of what this is about, what the project is about, what the music is about, and how do we find a reason that it becomes essential to share about that? So that again, we're switching it from the zone of I'm bothering people, I'm being a nuisance or a burden to them to I'm offering something valuable and I'm willing to step into behaviors that will allow other people to see what I'm doing. So that's a big part of it. Mm. The other thing that I would say that's really common in the type of client that I work with is, and I don't, I don't know, this perhaps this is something that you see with your clients too, Allison, which is that musicians tend to be total perfectionists. In classical music, that is very core to what the training is about, which is that you polish and perfect something on your own, and only when it's ready do you share it with other people. And business is so different. Business is like the total opposite of that, where it's a waste of time and resources if we take that approach because we are missing out on the dialogue and the feedback from the people who we theoretically want to be serving. So that's one of the, the other big mindset shifts for, for a lot of creatives that I've seen, which is how are we willing to use business practices like community building and connecting with others as a way to learn and refine what we're doing rather than feeling like we need to perfect it before we can share it with anyone else. Yeah, that is really, really, really good. And that's just fascinating to me about just describing. I could see exactly what you're saying about the classical musician um, having a totally different experience in their music than in selling their music. I can really see it how you describe it. Are you yourself a musician? Yeah. So, I mean, I grew up playing the piano and I did a lot of choir singing in college and grad school. I actually don't have a music degree, but I am writing a musical, which is something that I had always wanted to do really since I was in high school and started prioritizing this project about I mean, I started working on it maybe four years ago, but about two years ago, I made it a serious priority and sort of shifted a lot of things in my professional life in order to make that the focal point. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm walking the walk and that's, you yeah, know, you are. It's, it's enhanced my, <laughs> my appreciation and respect of what clients do because it's, it's wonderful, but it's really challenging. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Another thing you said that really, uh, struck me is, you know, that, you know, our business brain exists within us. You know, it's not necessarily something we have to learn, although it might be helpful to learn a thing or two, but it really does exist within us. Can you offer some daily practices or tips that could help us tap into the business brain within us? Yeah. I mean, so first of all, I see you know, I work with creatives. I know you do too. And for me, like the creative side of myself is always what I valued the most. And that's why I love working with people in the arts, you know, because people are working in alignment with their passion. My clients have so many cool ideas. The things they do are just so inspiring to me. And I love being around that. So I think part of it is recognizing that business is creative. Everything about being in business requires creativity and connection. 
you know, and most of us like those two things. If we are running this kind of a business, either from a creative place or a soul centered place or however you call it. So, so I think part of it is how do we apply creativity to our business and look at the different aspects of what our businesses require? How can we be creative in all of those? So that's one thing that I think about. And the other thing that I think about a lot is results in business, similarly with the results in anything, it's, it comes from the repeated practice of behaviors that are proven to move the needle. You know, and it's the same in the arts. So, you know, I grew up playing the piano. If I wanted to learn a piece, it was not some great big mystery as to how that was going to happen. You know, I just needed to spend time with it over many days or months to learn it. And I would usually have a teacher to guide me on that on that process. So it really was not this mysterious thing of how how I learned how to play a piece well and you know, got good at certain things when it came to the piano. So part of it is business is just like that. It's not some great big mystery. And in the arts, there can be this mysterious seeming thing that, oh, certain people are successful. It's because they got lucky or it's because they had a family connection or because they got discovered at an early age by an agent. And yeah, like maybe, maybe sometimes those things are what happened. But I also truly believe that any of the success we want professionally can be reduced to some form of daily practice of behaviors that are proven to move the needle. And the biggest category of behaviors that move the needle when it comes to growing our business or our professional stature involve engagements with the outside world of some kind. So like if we're trying to get students or clients for a coaching business or whatever it is, daily practices that I do or that I encourage my clients to do are tracking. How many people are you reaching out to? How many conversations are you having in a week? You know, are you spending time on activities that are going to move the needle of which there are really not that many? Or are you spending time on things that don't move the needle, like perfecting your website for months beyond the point that is necessary. So yeah, and I think we strengthen our business skills just by doing, you know, there's you know, I'm a big fan of learning and reading and all of those things. I do a lot of that. But getting onto the court, having conversations and being in the situation where we have the chance to get a client or not is where the learning happens. So I always think about, am I doing things every day to move me closer to having the number of clients I want to have? You know, that kind of a thing. Those are super, super, super good. I love those tips. Mm -hmm. I'm going to repeat them. Tell me if I miss anything. So this is a brilliant question. How do we apply creativity to our business? Mm -hmm. That is such a powerful question to ask because I truly believe when you tap into the type of connecting stroke mm -hmm. marketing <laughs> that really feels good to you and allows you to express your unique genius and connect in a way that feels authentic, you are going to feel creative and you're going to enjoy what you're doing and your potential clients who turn into clients are going to feel that. 
And then this is great, a daily practice that's repeated that moves the needle. I think a great example I can offer from my own life is I decided I want, I just decided I wanted to get a good at writing sales copy. So writing emails or sales pages that just drew people in, but I didn't want to just get good at it. I wanted to enjoy it. So wow, how do you do that, right? Well, I stumbled upon a story mm-hmm. brand. Maybe you're mm-hmm. familiar with it, Jennifer, Donald Miller. And it's a process of bringing people into your services, into whatever it is you're offering through the ancient art of storytelling, which is something I love to do. And so I just said to myself, every day I'm going to write a new story that draws in my ideal client to me and to my offerings. And it's just something that I said, I'm going to like, this is the year I'm going to get better at it. I don't think I'm all, all the way there yet, but I definitely see the needle moving to the right. So I think a big thing in business, it's all about progress, not oh, perfection, absolutely. right? And I think that's such an amazing example. And I love what you said about how it wasn't just accomplishing a goal, but finding the joy in it and actually loving doing it as, you know, how do I make this process feel in alignment Um, I think that's so awesome. And I'm going to take a lot of inspiration from that approach. I think that's beautiful. Oh, bless you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And then the last thing I got was tracking. I'm such a big believer in tracking. And it's a very easy thing to do. And I think we just forget sometimes to do it. So it's something I really encourage my clients to do as well is track the people you've reached out to and then also track how people Mm -hmm. find you. Are people finding you through Instagram or Facebook or word of mouth and those things, those ways that people are finding you and feel good to you, those are great places mm-hmm. for you to be. And and I also say if people are finding you in a way that doesn't feel good to you, that and you're making but that's a potential for you to make money, that is maybe an opportunity to think about hiring. Mm-hmm. That and then and only then do I say, is that an opportunity to think about hiring someone mm-hmm. to do it for you? Those are some of the little things that I offer with the tracking. That is all so, so good, Jennifer. So I always ask my guests to leave our listeners with a challenge Mm -hmm. on this topic. So what challenge do you have for our listeners? Okay. The challenge that I would put out there is to really find where is the edge of your comfort zone and can you constantly be pushing beyond it at least every week? ideally daily. And, you know, and that looks different for all of us. And, and perhaps you have some insight on this, Allison, because, you know, I think we can get, it can be hard to tell the difference between what is something that I don't want to do and I shouldn't do it because it's not in alignment versus what is something that I should do, but I don't want to because it's terrifying and it's exactly the thing that I should do. You know, I think distinguishing between those can be a little bit tricky. But what I would say that has been the biggest factor, I would say, in my success and for my clients is kind of being obsessed with the edge of our comfort comfort zone and pushing past it as much as possible. So what does that look like for you? And what does that look like in your business? And what does it look like outside of your business? So I'll say for myself, there are many facets of what that looks like in my business, whether it's rolling out new offers, raising, raising my prices, trying new ways of being visible. You know, I'm doing that kind of stuff constantly. And for me outside of my business, writing my musical is hugely outside of my comfort zone. It's something that I'm so passionate about and I really want to do it and I am doing it, but it's not like 
it's easy or comfortable. In many ways, I feel like I'm a beginner. I have no idea what I'm doing. I and you know, I'm surrounded by incredibly talented musicians and artists and people who I look up to. And, you know, I want to write something that I'm proud of. But all the time, I just, I sort of get used to being wildly uncomfortable. And then I push past it again. So that's my challenge to all of you listening is find what that edge is for you. I think it should be in a zone of something that you care deeply about that you aspire to, even if it terrifies you. But the more you can hang out there, the more things are just going to open up quickly in your business and other aspects of your life as well. Oh, Jennifer, I've had a lot of guests on the podcast, and I think this has to be one of my favorite challenges. <laughs> so good. And I know there's tons of secret sauces out there for running a successful business, but I definitely think one of the sauces is getting... Com- how do I say this correctly? Because it's never mm-hmm. it never gets comfortable because mm-hmm. it's uncomfortable, that edge of your comfort zone, right? It's discomfort, but get it, being okay with it, right? Learning to just be okay with the discomfort and you learn to be okay with it by doing it, just as Jennifer said, by finding that edge and pushing on that edge. If you can do it daily, brilliant, and weekly works great too. And in terms of like, it's such a good thing you said, you mentioned about like when you play around with finding your edge, it is going to be like, is this just the natural discomfort of growth or am I out of alignment here? And one of the things I offer to folks to kind of find the difference is always if you want to find your edge and if you're ready to take it to the next level, just get into your heart space. Get into your heart space that connects you up with your intuition. Your higher self, your intuition wants you out there at the edge, at the the cutting edge of your creativity, right? That's where they want you to go. So it will guide you and allow that inner voice to come up from your heart chakra. It's going to come up like a feeling from your heart and it's going to say, you know, go right. And that right, that place over in the right might feel a little scary and your brain might get involved and said, oh, I don't know if I can do that. But just honor that voice, that voice coming up from the heart chakra. And that will normally point you to that place of discomfort that is also in alignment. Mm, That is so beautiful. I'm going to use that advice. (laughs) That's fantastic. So helpful. Oh my gosh, Jennifer. So this has been such an amazing episode. I am so thrilled to have you here and to benefit from your wisdom. Can you please tell our listeners how they can find you? So you can find me at my website, jenniferrosenfeld.com. I'm also on Facebook and a little bit on Instagram. Um, And on Facebook, I have a free private Facebook group that is, you know, primarily geared towards musician educators who are looking to grow and expand their teaching business online or who are really looking to step into financial empowerment. And that's called The Millionaire Musician, which is a group on Facebook that you can find. So yeah, that's where I am. Oh, that's a great name. I love that. All right. Well, all of those links will be in the show notes. And I really encourage everybody to get in Jennifer's group, follow her on Instagram, on Facebook. She has really got some amazing stuff for you creative types out there who are in service and are ready to reach larger audiences. So thank you again so much, Jennifer. So grateful for you and all the wonderful work thank you you're so doing. Thank you so much, Allison. This has been a lot of fun speaking with you. And I'd also like to thank you so much for listening. And if you're loving this episode, go ahead and hit subscribe wherever it is you listen. And I'd be so grateful for a rating and review so more people can find us. 
And if you'd like help calling in your ideal people, then download my PDF guide that reveals the five visibility blockers that are preventing your ideal clients from finding you. Your offerings are too important to remain invisible, so this guide will help you to be seen and get fully booked. You can find a link to download the guide on my website, alisonscammell.com, and that link will be in the show notes.